Hello and welcome to the Ego Chow Podcast. This is episode 48. My name is Preston Byers, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode, we are going to be covering all of the roster mania stuff that happened over the past few weeks since the third major of the Call of Duty League season. Uh, and we're going into the fourth and final part of the Call of Duty League season, the 2022 season. Uh, we're going to give our predictions for the first set of qualifying matches before Major 4. But before we do any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm all right. Ready to talk some COD. Yep. We have not been around for two weeks, I think, maybe three weeks. It, it feels like a long time. Uh, and quite a bit has happened since we last spoke. We figured that there would be some rosters uh, moving around ahead of the final set of qualifying matches for the CDL season. Uh, considering teams are kind of running out of time, especially those teams at the very bottom or in the middle of the pack even because of how uh, clumped up everybody is in the standings. So teams kind of had to make moves to ensure that they have their uh, the best possible position uh, heading into the final quarter of the season. Uh, let's go through, through some of these roster changes. Um, we uh, Let's start with uh, the Gorillas. So... Classic, uh, or not classic, Gunless. Um, <laughs> I got Nikki D on the brain. Uh, Gunless, he came back uh, uh, like a month or so ago from his illness. He replaced Spart in the lineup, uh, who Spart had that success with LAG. They won the second major, uh, but they kind of struggled uh, after the midseason break. Gunless comes back in. They still don't really seem to find their footing. Uh, they ended up... Uh, not doing well at the major as well. Um, and LAG has decided to make two moves to their roster. Uh, Spart is coming back into the starting lineup uh, in place of Gunless. And Neptune, formerly of the New York Subliners, is going to LA in place of Asim, uh, who um, I believe he said that there were some personal reasons that he did not want to divulge about why he didn't pursue going to another team. Uh, but Spartan and Neptune, they are in. Gunless and Asim, they are out. What do you think of this uh, this roster change, um, especially since LAG did win one of the three majors this season? Yeah, so that's the main point I want to emphasize is just, for me, it feels like kind of a lateral move because we've seen, like, I don't know if lateral moves even the right way to word it there either, but... My, my train of thought here is, like, you can't say that the best version of the Gorillas didn't include Spart because they mm -hmm. won an event with Spart. They came in last place the other two majors when they played with Gunless. To me, I still think Gunless is a better player. Obviously, it's, a diff it's, it's hard to compare because Gunless mm -hmm. has been playing for longer. We've seen him, you know, be that MVP caliber flex player um, in the past. We haven't really seen that this year. But, you know, just, you know, historical standpoint or however you want to look at it, like, Gunless is still a really strong player. So it's tough for me to grade this, like, roster move or think about it in my head. But, I mean, we, we, we've seen the Gorillas compete with Spart. We've seen them compete with Gunless, and they won an event with Spart. So going back to the, that, change in in terms of just spark for gunless it, it it makes sense for them to try to give it another shot um in terms of neptune for asim i think personally i i i have strong you know belief in asim and i really 
um appreciate the you know like the dirty work and that stuff that he is known to do and um, might not reflect on the stat line but i i've spoken highly of him in the past and um obviously we don't know what's going on behind the scenes with him if you know maybe some of the personal issues or the family stuff is affecting his gameplay like then that makes sense um but i still think even though Neptune, you you kind of think of him more as a, a slaying sub than you know a more OBJ or you know dirty work player like Asim, um, I still think Asim is a better player just based on what we've seen out of um, both of them this year in Vanguard, and you know that that could be critical or overly critical of Neptune just because of the situation with New York, you know maybe. It wasn't the best fit. Well, it it wasn't the best fit because it just didn't work for them. They couldn't win a hard point. So um, I don't know how to really feel about this move. I guess you know, I it could be slight bias of me towards some of these like older players and in, in Gunless and Asim, even though Asim isn't you know as veteran. He's just kind of been around the last couple of years. But um, regardless of that, I I think it makes sense and. I wouldn't say it's good to see, but um, it makes sense that we're seeing LAG try to make a last-ditch effort just based on their place in the CDL standings. And um, maybe they just feel like getting some more slaying power could uh, help them out. And if they can find a way to get back to their uh, super strong search and destroy play that we saw at Major 2, uh, plus some more additional slaying in the respawns, you could technically have a recipe for uh, making sure they get the champs. So uh, we'll have to see what happens there. But I'm still kind of, you know, unsure and wishy-washy about the roster moves overall. Yeah, I was going to bring up that point that whether it's the right or the wrong move is almost irrelevant at this point because it's just a move to change things up for LAG. And... You know, they had Spart in the lineup at one point, and like you said, they, they won a championship, but they also didn't look great at the end of their run with Spart uh, in the Major 3 qualifiers before Gunless ended up coming back into the starting lineup. Uh, and obviously, uh, like this roster with Gunless and Asim, they were kind of floundering. Uh, they got 3 0 at the Major in their only match. They, uh, I think, won one match in their qualifier, uh, in that qualifier round before the third major. So things just obviously weren't working out for LAG. And when you're in their position in the standings, they are currently seventh uh, in the 12 the team standings, but they're only five points ahead of eighth place, which is the LA Thieves. And they're only 15 points ahead of ninth and 10th, Minnesota and Florida. 15 points is you know, uh, two wins essentially, or, you know, uh, like a, a loser bracket round three exit. Like that's not a lot. Uh, and it's a very, uh, a very reachable, uh, goal for Minnesota and Florida and possibly even New York. If New York has an incredible, um, incredible, uh, fourth major, but like, I think that LAG just kind of had to make some kind of move to, make sure that they don't just get passed by by uh, these other teams like we'll talk about it but you know florida made a move uh um lat didn't make a move but they also did a, a role swap earlier in the season and maybe they'll find something 
Uh, I I think that LAG just needed to do something. I don't know if it's the right move because we didn't really get to see Neptune at his best with New York. So I'm not sure what uh, Neptune uh, is is capable of. Um, and obviously Spart, he came in, but they had some good but some bad uh, results with him. So we'll kind of have to wait and see on that front. Um, let's move on to some of these other roster changes. Um, let's go to Boston because, uh, this is a kind of a surprising move in the sense that, so Vivid is coming in, uh, from Florida. Capsidal is getting benched. Uh, Capsidal, obviously a rookie this season, one of the better rookies, uh, in the CDL so far at, at one point in the, in the season, Boston looked like a, a, like a solid fourth place, fifth place team. They're not as strong now. Uh, they really struggled uh, in the in the major three qualifiers and that major three. And they're like like most of these middle of the road teams. They are very much in danger of possibly missing out on champs if things don't break their way uh, in this final section of the season. Uh, similar to uh, LAG, they're only twenty points ahead of ninth place and tenth place Minnesota and Florida. Again, 20 points is nothing. It, it's very doable. Uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on this, though, because I think really highly of Vivid. I think it was a mistake on Florida's part to not, ha to not have Vivid in the lineup for this fourth uh, part of the season. And I kind of think it's a mistake on Boston's part uh, to bench Capsidal, but I'm not really sure what they could have done. Uh, what do you think about this move? Yeah, just another one that I have some questions about too. Um, for, first off, we've we've talked about Boston's situation numerous times on this podcast. Just the fact they were the last team to come into this uh, season, and you know, in effect, makes them the last team to have a shot to form a roster. And they they turned a lot of heads earlier in the season, and you know, Capital was a guy who, before the launch of Vanguard, most likely wasn't on the radar of most fans, even like, you know, possibly some organizations. He just wasn't on their radar. Obviously, there we we talked about. I believe he ended up competing with Dens in one of the uh, Cold War Challengers Cups, if I remember correctly. I so. Um, so that the, there's the connection there for Boston. But other than that, like he really wasn't a known commodity heading into this Vanguard season, and he turned a lot of heads. He's he's you know there's certainly been moments. Um, where he's shown signs of inconsistency, but he's also a rookie playing in the CDL for the first time. And I, I think if I remember correctly, he might still have like the highest kill game of the season on a bokeh hard point. Could be wrong there, but yeah. I'm pretty sure he set the record earlier in the season. I don't think it's been beat. Um, but back to what I was mainly stressing is just due to the situation that Boston was in, um, one thing I have said on the show is that the, they are in a position where anything better than last place is exceeding expectations in a lot of people's eyes. Obviously, that's not like, you know, the mentality you want in a league like this where um, only 12 teams, no, you know, there's no tanking or draft picks because, you know, there there's no tanking because there are no draft picks or anything like that. So um, you don't want to come in last place just because you're a competitor. But um, developing capital seemed like something 
Boston, I mean, even and even Nero to some extent, um, developing these younger players is it felt like that was a direction we were going to see Boston continue to go in. And um, although I'm pretty sure Capital just won a Challengers Cup, um, could be wrong with that, but um, I think he might have just literally won the last one that was played this past weekend. Um, regardless of that, though, like it, it just feels like he's in a position where now I don't want to say it's stunting his development, but that's just like the best thing I can think to say, or the best way I can think the word at this time is like, how does this benching affect his mentality? Like, sure, it could, there yeah. could be a positive side to it where he, you know, like takes in as kind of like, you know, a screw you mentality, he wants to prove people wrong, prove he belongs back in the CDL, all that, yada, yada. Um, but there, there's also a negative side to it that it could affect him, you know, negatively for the future. So we'll have to wait and see on that side. Um, but for Vivid, I I also Vivid, you know, it's got to be something with those, you know, SMT players that do the dirty work, kind of like Asen that, you know, I've, I've spoken highly of Vivid in the past too. Um, it felt like due to the pacing of Florida, maybe he wasn't used as effectively as possible. He didn't really have like another, um, super strong sub alongside him just because like he, he really, regardless of who was running the second sub on uh, Florida, he, he really had, um, three AR players alongside him. So the pacing could have been off and all that. But now even with um, Boston, we, we really have, you know, TJ's not strictly a sub like he may have been known in the past. He's been more of a flex this year. And even, you know, just due to the strength of the automaton on land, we've, we've seen Nero with the automaton a lot. So um, I'm not really sure how the pacing is going to work with Boston either now, but um, it is worth mentioning there was that rumored Washington roster earlier in the season. I don't remember who the fourth was. It might have been Paul X or Venom, but there was, was Paul. there was a rumored Washington uh, CDL spot before Boston that involved Methods, TJ, and Vivid playing together. So, you know, seemingly from the outside looking in without any additional info it seems like tj and methods wanted to play with vivid and despite some of the strong performances we've seen from capsital this could be like you know maybe some chemistry thing or uh i don't really know but you know maybe they just really want to play with vivid and due to their boston's overall struggles in the last stage as a unit they're they're going to give it a shot so um, kind of similar to LAG. I'm, I'm really not sure what to think of the move. Um, but I do, I do think highly of Vivid and I think Capital has a lot of potential. So, uh, we're just going to have to see how this move works out for both parties. Uh, of course, um, I, so I just looked it up. Uh, so Washington was Vivid, TJ, Methods, and Paul X. That was the rumored roster for the Washington Call of Duty League team that ended up falling through. Uh, Boston ended up being the 12th team, and of course, uh, we saw their roster. Um, as far as Vivid uh, going to Boston, I, I you know I think really highly of him. So I think it's a good move for Boston, even if it could be stunting or you know whatever the 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 word you want to use for it. But um, you know they're they're benching Capital, and I think 
that's a tough decision to make because he's a rookie. He's played pretty well. I don't think like the results of, you know, since the midseason break are on him uh, specifically, but I think that Vivid is probably an upgrade over him. But that's not to that's not a slight on Cap. It's literally just I think Vivid is a very good player, and like you alluded to, I don't know if he was being utilized to his the to the fullest extent on Florida because they are uh, a notoriously a poorly built team, um, at least relative to the rest of the league, because they have three natural AR players. Of course, the you know those players are talented and they're able to adapt and place. Uh, you know, some of them are able to play SMG roles, and it's not a big deal. But I think at the end of the day, that vivid leaving this roster for Florida is a negative um, for them. Uh, and he has the highest engagements um, of the of the roster in hard point, which is uh, what you would expect out of him because he's, I, I believe last year he might've been one of the fastest players in the entire league. It was like him and Abizi, they get in your face really quickly. And I think that those types of players are very valuable to teams. Uh, obviously Abizi is, you know, arguably maybe not this year, but in the past like three or so years is one of the best players in the entire world. Uh, I think Vivid is is very good. He also has the highest first blood rate of anybody on Florida this season in Search and Destroy, which uh, I just think that that matters. Like I think those are those are things that you know I'm not saying that um, you know we'll get to their ro- their new roster uh, right after this, but those are things that can be replaced. That I'm not saying that Vivid is irreplaceable, but I think that if you're going to make this move, I. Th- don't know if it, I I feel like Florida was a one person move away from possibly you know like improving their roster to a, a greater extent. I don't know if a two person move was uh, the right the right change for them. Uh, let's get to the, uh, Florida's roster though because well, we kind of alluded to it. So Vivid is out. He's he's going to Boston. Dave Patty has been benched by the Florida Mutineers. And Major Maniac, uh, formerly of the Minnesota Rocker, is on uh, Florida's starting roster now, alongside Too Real, who is a Challengers player that competed with Major Maniac in Challengers um, and making his CDL debut. I kind of want to get your thoughts on this because Major Maniac, uh, he's been around a while. He was on Atlanta Phase in the first CDL season, uh, got to Champs Grand Finals. Last year uh, with Minnesota, they had that incredible comeback uh, in the major five grand finals against Toronto and ended up winning that tournament. Um, And it's been a rocky kind of up and down season for Minnesota. He ends up getting benched and he's been on the bench for a few months now. What do you think about Major Maniac and Too Real replacing Dave Patty and Vivid on Florida? Yeah, so, I mean, kind of a kind of a common theme here in my answers but this is another move i'm not um super sold on but it does make a little sense uh we'll we'll get into that in a little bit here um first off from a rules perspective i alluded to it earlier when we were talking about vivid it felt like if um at least from the outside looking in again, that if Florida was going to make a move where it replaced Dave Patty, you would want another sub player to go in alongside Vivid. When you make the change to replace Vivid and Dave Patty, now you have Skies and Awakening. Now Awakening has played 
Um, with a sub this year, we've even seen Skies at times use a sub, but they are both, in my eyes, still um, playing at their best when they are using ARs, which means in most cases you would probably like to see two subs be picked up here um, for Florida instead of just one. And I feel like that's where I, I kind of used the phrase lateral move earlier. I feel like Major Maniac and Dave Patty, um, their play styles are a little similar in that, that slower AR role. Um, I think Dave, I, I feel like Aches is, has been super critical of Dave's pacing and, you know, his, his play style on the flank and stuff like that. Um, so I think Major Maniac is like a little bit faster than Dave, but still that, that just is, it, it seems like, you know, like a slow AR replacing a slow-ish AR or, Vice versa, they're a slowish AR replacing a slower AR. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that's, you know, a move that catapult, catapults Florida forward here. Um, what I will say, though, is, and, and something we were talking about Neptune earlier with LAG, and we kind of left this out, is that the last Challengers Open in Toronto uh, was won by the team of two real major maniac Brack and Neptune. So three fourths of that team has been picked up in this roster mania period and two fourths of it are going to Florida here. So maybe Florida's looking at that. Um, you know, I don't think obviously because major maniac was competing in the CDL earlier this year, I'm not going to say like, uh, that team has a just a ton of chemistry or anything like that, but maybe they're just, you know, they liked what they saw out of that squad and uh, the challengers scene, and they're going to rely on whatever um, formula that they can find there, you know, whatever recipe for success. Maybe some, they figured out some stuff playing in challengers. I don't really know, but um, I, I feel like that might have played a factor in going after Major and Turiel, um, who also I don't really know much about Turiel, so I'm not going to talk about him very much. Um, but just, yeah, from a roster construction standpoint, it's it's still people have been questioning the, the role situation with Florida all year, and I don't think that was solved with this move. So it will be interesting to see how they perform. I do think, you know, I think highly of Major Maniac. I think he's a really good surge player. So um, maybe that helps them out in that mode and they just rely on Skies and Awakening slaying in the respawns to try and steal some respawns there. I don't really know. Uh, as far as Day Patty and Major Maniac, so Florida has more engagements per map, of, per hardpoint map than Minnesota does on average. But Major Maniac and Dave Patty have the exact same engagement per 10 minutes in hardpoint. They're at 43.4, which was the lowest on their teams because, you know, they're ARs. So they're, you know, they're right around the same pace. You, you could say Major Maniac's probably a little bit faster just considering, like, you know, Florida has more engagements and Dave Patty's it makes up a, a smaller percentage. In control, uh, Major Maniac has about four fewer engagements per 10 minutes than Dave Patty did in control. So I'm not really sure what to, to make of that. Dave Patty's KD in control is also uh, much better than Major Maniac's. And like you said, Major Maniac is uh, probably a better search and destroy player. Um, he has a, a better S&D KD than Dave Patty does um, in uh, and a higher first blood rate uh, this season. Um, I think that... 
if you were going to bring Major Maniac in, and I think he's a very good player, it was probably the right move to bring someone in with him, kind of what Havoc alluded to earlier in the season when he declined the New York Subliners offer of their roster spot because he wanted to bring another uh, a challenger's teammate with him so that they could, you know, more easily like coexist. He's not getting used to three new teammates, just two new teammates. I think similar things with Florida. If you're going to make this move and, you know, I already said that I think that Dave Patty probably should have been the odd man out, Vivid should have stayed and figure out someone to replace Dave Patty with. Either way, if you're going to do this and you're going to bring in Major Maniac, it's probably a good idea to bring Two Real as well. I don't know if Two Real is is good. I don't know. I'm sure he's good. Like I'm, I'm saying like relative to the CDL, I don't really know anything about him. But uh, I think it's a it's a risky move, but it's also a move that everybody kind of needs to make, especially when Florida is in tenth or uh, tied for ninth place, and in real jeopardy of not even making champs. I think like that's unacceptable for this, you know, for awakening and skies. And uh, I, I just think like those guys have to be at champs. This team uh, has obviously really underperformed and this is kind of their last opportunity. Uh, I think major maniac is uh, you know, a good player and uh, I'm excited to see if he can help this team get over that hump and get in the top eight. Um. So we got Florida out of the way. We got LAG out of the way. Uh, got Boston out of the way. Let's talk about Paris. This is actually the most recent roster change, uh, the most recent announced roster change, I should say. Uh, so John out, Johnny in. Uh, we just needed to add two letters to that. So John, uh, you know, one of the most veteran players in the CDL, um, which feels weird because he's always looked at as like kind of a young guy, uh, at least when I started watching Call of Duty. But he's out of the Paris Legion roster. Not that surprising that uh, the Legion are making a change. Like, as far as if you look at their standings, you would have thought, like, you know, they kind of have to. But we did talk about earlier in the season how it might not be, uh, there might not be any changes for Paris, you know, going into the end of the season because they're almost mathematically eliminated right now before even playing any of the qualifying matches. Turns out that Paris did want to try to make a change, um, even with uh, that near um, impossible feat of making champs. They're bringing in Johnny, who just graduated high school like this weekend. Um, huh. So he is 18, turned 18 in September. Um, he played with Clayster and Spart and who and Fellow at the Toronto Open uh, in the Challengers bracket. I believe they got like top six. Um, I don't really know what to make of him. Obviously, if he's 18 and getting a CDL spot, he's probably pretty good, um, you know. But I don't know. Like, he can be good. It's not going to matter. Like, he, you know, they're going to – even if they win, you know, the major, they're very likely not going to make playoffs. That's how far back they are. Like, going undefeated and winning the major is, like, not a guarantee that they would make – uh, champs, which is uh, kind of ridiculous, but it shows how far back they are uh, after winning just two matches this entire season. Um, I know you don't watch much challengers, but what do you think about Paris actually deciding to make a move, even though they are very likely not even in contention for champs? Yeah, um, we, we've 
been critical of Paris in the past on this podcast. Um, but Slightly. I will give them credit here that they are giving a young kid an opportunity to show what he's capable of in the CDL. Um, regardless of that, giving him the opportunity, this move only makes sense to me if you, yeah, how do I want to word it? Obviously it's dependent upon how Ojani plays, but the move makes more sense to me personally if, despite Paris's results as a team, if Johnny shows up, um, you know, just puts up good numbers and performs, if Paris, well, in effect, they would be Las Vegas next year, yeah. um, if the Legion used this as an opportunity to scout a young player like Ojani and then sign him on and try to develop him and um, cultivate him as a player to potentially be a part of the team next year. Um, if they're just, you know, giving him an opportunity and he doesn't resign, obviously, again, depending on his performance, then the move doesn't really make much sense to me just because of, like you said, how big of a hole they're in. Um, but yeah, that that's the way I'm looking at it, at least, is like, this is a great opportunity for him and, and kudos for Paris for giving him that opportunity. But just because of how far back they are, it's that next step beyond this season, um, what this move means for the organization uh, going forward there. Because, I mean, again, there um, is definitely a world where Ojani doesn't perform and then that conversation doesn't really mean anything. Then he just got a shot and then he's got to get another shot down the road. Um, but if he plays well and you know Paris or the Legion decides to go in another direction, and not use this opportunity to re-sign him for next season, then I'm going to be more critical of the move. Yeah, I think that it makes sense if he is part of their long-term future or, you know, the the next year, the next, whatever, 12, 14 months. If he's part of that, then it makes sense. It's all, It also makes sense if he has an incredible, like, four-week run with the Legion and then they sell like they they allow another team to buy him out and they make some money that makes sense to me if he he does whatever if he does well let's say they're not going to do anything like say they went a uh, one match they won two matches Johnny plays well and he just walks at the end of the season like somebody needs to to answer for that you know like somebody needs to say like why why did you do this because this was a move that made sense made much more sense a month ago it made even more sense or it made sense two months ago three months ago like these moves should have been made already like there's no way that you should be at the end of june making this decision when you're you're two and 17 on the season like that's kind of ridiculous in my opinion i'm not saying like they shouldn't have done it but this should have been done earlier. Um, I think this is probably the way that they should have went. As soon as they figured out that this roster wasn't going to work, like the original roster with like Fellow and Temp and everybody, like as soon as that uh, didn't work out, they should have figured out a way, okay, like can we sell Temp to anybody? Like is any other team that's trying to win a championship, like do they have a need for Temp? Because Temp has been very very good this season and i feel really bad for him that he's had to stick up with his team because 
he just deserves better. And I'm not saying that the other players don't, but I also just think like for most of them, you know, at least like, um, at least temp has proven in the past that he can be like a game changer. I, I think of it like when he was on splice in black ops four, he was very, very good. Um, and I think that he's capable of that. I don't know if the other guys are capable of it, but I'm glad that they're getting opportunity. I just think like, this should have been happening a month or two ago, considering they have not won a regular season match in nearly three months. So their last win was on March 25th. It is June 23rd. It, it's almost three exact months since their last win. They have two this season, uh, one over Seattle and one over Toronto. They did get those two uh, Pro-Am Classic wins, one over LAG. So, I mean, that's that's cool, I guess. And they also beat the Ultra NA Academy team. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm confused. Um, but that's kind of par for the course with me and Paris. Uh, I just don't understand the direction of it. Maybe things will change next season or in the off season when they officially shift gears from Paris and they focus on Las Vegas. Maybe at that time, they're willing to pit put more put in more money like you know maybe they'll be based out of las vegas build facilities for their players try to compete in terms of salary with other teams because i i mean it's uh you know definitely rumored that they don't try to compete with any of the teams on salary so i, I think that th i'm happy for johnny i hope he does an incredible job for the rest of the season and the rest of the Paris Legion roster, because I want them to, at the end of the season or in the off season, be able to say like, you know, we didn't win a lot, but I think I'm capable of more and I want to get paid more. I want to play on a better team, et cetera, but we'll see. Um, so that's Paris. Uh, let's talk about optic a little bit. So it looked like, for a little bit at least, that Illy was going to come back into the starting roster for Optic Texas. Um, he's been out for, I think, about a month uh, due to his thumb injury, which forced him out of the Pro-Am Classic um, mid-tournament, actually. And uh, he said that, um, Illy did, he made a video on the Optic Texas YouTube channel, and he said that he will be out at least for a little bit longer and that Prolute will continue to be substitute uh, the substitute for Optic and that he will fill in for Illy for the time being. Um, I think Illy said that he had, his, he had a cortisone shot in his thumb and he had it about a week and a half at the time of filming and that his doctor said it could take about a month to you know, fully recover, fully get back to normal. Uh, because he, he's not having a lot of pain, but he did say that the range of motion is not what it was before this injury. Uh, so Illy is still out. Um, he could be out. I mean, he could be out the rest of the season, I guess. Uh, you know, if things don't, uh, you know, heal properly or whatever. But um, it's looking like he might be back in time for the fourth major, maybe. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about Optic and everything that's going on? Because they look like the best team in the world uh, when Illy was in there. Uh, they obviously won the first major. But with Prolute, you know, they're still a really good team. But are they a championship contender? Yeah, that that's the question here, right? Is, you know, well, what exactly is the ceiling for the squad with Prolute? And um, 
I'm I'm not quite sure exactly what it is, but um, I feel like obviously in a perfect situation or ideal situation for uh, Optic Ilias back in the lineup as soon as possible. Um, but that that's not the reality we're in right now. So mm-hmm. um, they're just gonna have to weather the storm. You know, Prolute. We we've said it, or I've said it at least when we talked about Prolute and. There were those people who felt like, you know, after one super strong performance from Prolute in an online qualifier match that he should be on Optic's roster, you know, permanently moving forward in place of Illy. And, you know, I was like, well, let's pump the brakes here on that, uh, as other people were too. But um, regardless, we, we've seen Prolute play well, and we've also seen the, the team as a whole not perform well with him in the lineup. So... Um, there's certainly some question marks there, but the biggest thing for me is, although we have seen strong performances out of him, just based on the talent around him, he doesn't need to do that. They just, they, in, in my opinion, at least they need one of those guys doing the dirty work when you have Shotzi and Dashy just absolutely popping off. And, you know, even Scump has been playing very well this year. Um, you know, they need one of those more those guys who's willing to do the dirty work while everybody else is getting the kills. So like Prolute doesn't have to go out and drop forty kills a map. He he just has to mm-hmm. fill the gaps really. Um so again, that's without knowing optic system or anything like that. But um to me that would make the most sense. And uh we're just gonna have to wait and see what version of optic we get. I think I don't know if they're like officially locked in for champs, but I'm pretty sure there's yeah, you know, they're right safe. on the edge. So, like, really, they they just need to, you know, get through this situation that they're currently in, and hopefully, for their sake, Illy is able to recover as soon as possible. And, and, and you know, maybe Major Four isn't realistic, but in my eyes, they just they want Illy for the big one for champs at the end of the year, and. uh I feel like that's got to be the target for the squad at this point. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, Pearl is a good player, and he's definitely um, definitely a good spot right now. I think that Optic is probably still one of the better teams in the entire league, even with Prolute. Um And, you know, like that's kind of a hard feat sometimes with, uh, you know, a substitute. But... I'm interested to see what Optic does or how they react when Illy is supposed to come back. Maybe he comes back uh, in that final set of qual- or final week of qualifying matches. Maybe in the fourth major. Maybe at champs. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they could do um, or what they will do. But it's uh, I, I mentioned I think in the pre-show or whatever. Um, when I said it's kind of similar to the Clayster situation from last year with New York, where Clayster had um, like a, a hiatus for like a month or so before the end of the season, he didn't play uh, the final major with New York, and then he ended up coming back in for champs. We talked about whether that would affect the team, you know, practicing with another person, playing matches with other people, and then having that. Um, you know, that regular, that starter, a starter coming back into the roster. I'm not sure if that'll be the same with Optic, um, but I think that's something to keep an eye on, especially since they've really had Atlanta Phase's number this year. Atlanta still, uh, they're the number one team right now, uh, at least in terms of the standings. Um, 
and Seattle looks like they they could be a legitimate threat to the championship. So without Illy, are they able to beat those teams with Illy without like all of the practice and all of the preparation over the past month and a half? I don't know. Like that'll be a, a really interesting uh, scenario if it does come down to it uh, with Illy and Pro Loop. Um, let's talk about London. So London, they were, I think, solidly the third place team in the league earlier in the year. Um, they look like, you know, behind Optic and Phase, they they seem to be the third best team in the league. It's been a while since they've been really thought of. We kept picking against them earlier in the year, and they kept proving us wrong, and then they just stopped proving us wrong. Well, they started proving us wrong because we kept picking them, and then things kind of went a little haywire. But uh, they've struggled uh, a lot, um, and they decided to bring Gizmo back into the starting roster in place of Harry. Uh, so Gizmo, he briefly exited the lineup earlier in the year, for um, personal reasons, Paul X came in, I believe, for just one week, and uh, London seemed to be doing fine. I think they won both of those matches with Paul. I think Gizmo came back in, and I I, I don't believe that they've really been the same since then. Um, I think some of that probably has to do with a little bit of their schedule, but also they they scored 120 points within uh, the first like month and a half of the season. And since then, they've scored 30. Um, they won one match at the second major, won one match in the qualifiers of the major three qualifying uh, matches, and then they won one match in the third major. That's pretty hard. Um, you know, even it's it's going to be tough to hold on to their spot. They're currently in fourth despite only picking up 30 CDL points over the past, you know, month or two months. Um, but you know, like I've uh, said in um, this episode already, they're only 30 points ahead of eighth place. They're only 40 points ahead of ninth place. So 40 points, they've gotten 30 points in a month and a half. So it's, it's very uh, possible that um, even if they don't slip out of the top eight, they could be like a seven or eight seed at the end of this, um, this run. What do you think about Gizmo coming into the lineup and replacing Harry? Yeah, this is just the move I have the least to talk about, to be honest, because um, even though Harry has been in the lineup for this past most recent stage, I, I really didn't, you know, I, I can't remember any of London's matches off the top of my head. I really, uh, nothing really stood out to me from Harry and whatever matches I did watch of London playing. So um, we, we saw Gizmo early in the season perform very well. Then he had some personal issues and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, if he's able to get back to that form we saw earlier in the season, this could be a solid move for London, but, um, I'm just, I'm not really sure what to expect and, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, just sit here and say like, oh, this, this move makes London a top four team. Like, I, I, I just don't know. So, I uh, don't really have much to say on this front. Uh, but that does it for the roster mania stuff. Let's, uh, go quickly through, the standings, and uh, we might as well just mention their rosters because obviously a lot of things have kind of changed in the CDO, especially in the in the middle and the bottom end of the standings. Uh, so Atlanta Phase, they've officially locked in their spot at the CDO Championship this year. Uh, they are currently in first place. They are 35 points ahead of Optic uh, Texas, who are in second place. 
So Atlanta's roster hasn't changed all season. Abizi, Selim, Simp, and Arcides, um, they have uh, Pristini as their substitute, but I don't think he's going to be seeing any any more time this season. Uh, Optic Texas, um, we just mentioned them a, a little bit ago, but Prolu has been standing in for Illy. He will continue to do so for the time being, uh, and he's teaming with Dashy, Scump, and Shotzi. They are in second place, and they've I don't think they've officially clinched it, but I i mean, I wasn't a math major, but I don't understand how they could not get eighth place at least um, yeah. with everything. So they're pretty much locked in and they have a very real chance of grabbing the number one seed. Uh, third place, the Seattle Surge, the team that won the most recent major. Uh, they won the Toronto uh, major uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, that roster is Accuracy, Mac, Sib, and Pred. Um, and you know, they look really, really good. Uh, London Royal Ravens. Uh, we just talked about them. Afro nasty zero and gizmo is back in the starting roster. They are in fourth place, 10 points ahead of the Toronto ultra, uh, the ultra Bants, cami Kleenex and insight, a, a team that's, uh, stuck by their, their roster this entire season. Um, you know, they've been a little shaky at times, but they seem to be trending upward and this is the right time to do so. Uh, they are 10 points ahead of 6th place Boston Breach. We talked about them earlier in the show. Uh, Vivid, who has been acquired uh, from Florida, he will be teaming with Nero, TJ Haley, and Methods. Um, Los Angeles Gorillas are in 7th place. They have a roster of Slasher, Hook, Neptune, and Spart. Los Angeles Thieves, uh, we haven't talked about them this show, but Draza, Kenny, Octane, and Envoy are still the roster. Uh, they are clinging on to eighth place in the standings, which is a, a very precarious position for them. They are 10 points ahead in, of ninth and 10th place, which is Minnesota and Florida. Minnesota's roster is attached, Priesta, Standy, and Havoc. In Florida, they have former rocker player Major Maniac with two real awakening and skies. 11th place, the New York Subliners. Oh, our... Our sweet Crim Six is very much in danger of not making champs. Um, the the most winningest player in Call of Duty League history. Uh, his team has seventy points. They are fifty points back of eighth place, so they have a lot of ground to make up. Um, at least uh, they're currently in eleventh place. Their roster is Hydra, Crim Six, Polex, and Kismet. And at the very, 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 very bottom, there is the Paris Legion. Uh, who have won two of their 19 matches this season. Uh, their roster is Temp, Gravity, Jimbo, and Johnny, who is replacing John. Uh, and they are um, 100 points back of 8th place. So have fun with that, Paris Legion fans. Uh, and that does it for the standings and the rosters. Um, let's get into our predictions for the first week of Major 4 qualifiers. Um, we're just going to kind of breeze through this because why not? Uh, we talked about all these teams already. I believe the only team we really haven't discussed is probably Minnesota a little bit and LA Thieves, but I'm sure we'll have quite a bit to talk about them on the next episode, um, depending on what they do in their matches. Uh, so Friday, June 24th, we have three matches to kick off the week. Florida versus New York, Optic versus Boston, and Toronto versus LAG. Let's start at the top. Mutineers versus Subliners, who do you have? I got to go with subliners. I'm just, you know, not 100% sure what to expect from Florida. And, you know, subliners, I think we talked about it on the last show, right? They haven't won at all at any of the majors, but they've got their points in the qualifiers. So I'm yes. um, going to go with New York and 
you know, expect like this is a, a winnable match for a new lineup, right? Like, you know, yeah. Florida's coming in with a new squad and they're not playing Atlanta right off the bat or, you know, Seattle defending champs or, you know, one of these other teams that didn't make a change. Um, even though New York didn't make a change, but they're still towards the bottom of the standing. So this is a good opening match for Florida, but I'm still going to go with New York. Yeah, New York has lost their last three or four, um, but they did beat Optic in that one win. So I, I'm not really sure what to make of them, but I'm going to go with New York. Um, I have no idea what to expect of Florida at this point uh, with their roster. Well, I didn't have any idea what to expect anyway before the roster change. So with a new roster, I've, I've never really seen two real play. Um, I don't know how Major Maniac will fit in this roster, so I'll go with the subliners. Optic Boston, I think we're both going to pick Optic. Um, Boston yeah. is trending downward, um, at least the last time we saw them. Maybe things will have changed, but um, I can't see that Optic loses to them. Um, Toronto versus LAG. Um, oh, I want to go with LAG, but like they're, I, I, I don't trust Toronto fully, even though they're they're doing well. They're doing a lot better than they were earlier in the season. But LAG with this new roster, I, I don't think I can pick them. So I'm going to go with the Ultra. Okay. Uh, Saturday, June 25th, we have four matches. So Toronto again versus London, New York versus LAG, Optic versus Minnesota, and LAT versus Boston. Uh, starting at the top, uh, I mean, I can't pick London. So I'm going to go with the Ultra. Yep. New York versus LAG. Uh yeah, I I got to pick New York, but yep. I'm not confident on that one. Yeah, same. Optic versus Minnesota. Um I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Optic on this one. I think hey, that I got Yeah, so you're going to go ahead. with Minnesota, right? Yep. Yeah, I I think this is a a toss-up. Uh, definitely like of these of the six matches that we predicted so far, I think this is the hardest to predict uh in terms of like how you know how good the teams could be because we saw Minnesota go five and zero in the qualifying matches uh, of the last set, but um, they didn't perform particularly well in the major. I'm not sure what to make of that, to be honest. Um, but I'm gonna go with Optic. Yeah, my my thought process here is that although Minnesota didn't have the best performance at the major, they did go five and zero in the online qualifiers last time. So maybe they just the, this lineup in particular hasn't lost an online qualifier match. Maybe they just perform better online. Don't really know, but, you know, they haven't lost one of the online matches, so I'll stick with them here. But, again, like you said, this is kind of a toss-up. I could see it go either way. Final match on Saturday is the LA Thieves versus the Boston Breach. I'm going to go with LAT. I'm not really too sure about this Boston lineup, but um, I'm very excited to watch this match, to be honest. Yeah, I think this is essentially as big of a – I don't want to say as big, but it, this is almost like a must-win match for the Thieves. Like, if they lose this match, that'd be very concerning to me, uh, just because we've seen LA Thieves be inconsistent, in particular during uh, these qualifying matches. And, you know, it could be because they're playing from Los Angeles, you know, all the online excuses, whatever you want to make. Um, but playing a team like Boston fresh off a roster change here, this is almost a must-win in my book for the Thieves. Well, it definitely has a lot of um, implications for standings because LAT, like we said, eighth place, they're only 10 points ahead of ninth and 10th, and they're only 10 points behind Boston in the standings. If Boston loses to Optic on day one and they go into this match against LAT on day two, 
Um, they could be tied at the end of it if uh, the Thieves are able to win that match. On Sunday, uh, we have uh, three matches. We have Seattle versus Paris, Florida versus Minnesota, and LAT versus Atlanta. So neither one of us are picking Paris, of course. So we're going to go with Seattle over the Legion. Um, I don't think we really need to discuss it. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm perfectly fine if the Legion do win. I think it'll be we'll have an interesting chat uh, next week, but I, I don't see it happening. Um, Florida versus Minnesota. I think Minnesota is going to win. I don't, um, I'm, like I said, I, I don't know what to expect with Florida. And yep. even, uh, and I, I feel weird picking against the Rocker, even against Optics. So I'm going to pick them. And um, LAT versus Atlanta could be an interesting matchup, but um, LAT is not Optics. So I have to pick Atlanta. They're not Seattle either. They don't have Nikki D. No Nikki D in sight, no Greenwall in sight. So I'm going to go with Phase. Yep. Phase up. All right. So that does it for our predictions. Um, so that's the first week of the major four qualifiers. Um, so uh, make sure to tune in on YouTube if you're interested in watching um, uh, the online matches. So we only have like 20, 30 matches left of online, uh, you know, only three weekends of online matches for Vanguard left this season. Um, and then we get the final major, and then we get to champs, which the uh, it was officially announced this week, I believe, that champs will be held in Los Angeles, um, which is like the sixth time in like eight years. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, champs 2022 will be in Los Angeles at the Galen Center on the campus of uh, USC from August 4th to the 7th. Um, so this is the second straight year that they're going to use the Galen Center for champs, and this is the seventh mm -hmm. time that champs will be held in Southern California. I don't. I didn't think it was the Galen Center last year for champs, wasn't it at uh, Texas? Let me look. I mean, regardless. Codpedia really says Galen Center for twenty-one, but I'm not sure. I know that huh. they did the last major of the season in Texas. In Texas, yeah, and I thought they just uh, whatever. Either way, um, if I'm if I'm wrong, then it's the sixth time that they'll be in L.A. or Southern California or whatever. <laughs> Point stance. Yeah, ben, they <laughs> they really like L.A. Um, yeah, so August fourth, the seventh. That's when champs will be. The top eight teams will be competing in the playoffs and uh controversially i don't know if you heard i don't know if you're on twitter this week but challengers champs will only feature eight teams uh which has been a big point of contention among challengers teams uh because there will be two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the line um but you know they'll they'll bring the top four teams from the challengers leaderboard which i believe like the toronto academy rosters have essentially locked uh at least two of those spots up and then there will be one uh, additional team from North America, Europe, uh, APAC, and Latin America. Um, you know, they have to play through last chance qualifiers. So, um, you know, thoughts and prayers to the Challengers players because it sounds a little bit rough. But apparently, um, you know, Doug Sensor, uh, he, he put a, a petition out. Oh, it's yeah. already gotten like 2,000 signatures. So maybe they'll change it. They, uh, I believe they told challengers players that they weren't going to change it but we'll see i don't know um but yeah that does it um do you have anything else before i do the outro nope i'm good to go 
All right, so uh, predictions. Um, we gave our predictions, but you are three matches ahead of me, 78 and 56. I'm 75 and 59. Uh, make sure to subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you're listening or watching. Uh, we're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of the platforms that you can pretty much think of. Uh, make sure to give us a five-star rating uh, on Apple and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, he's at Jay with 2 ks I'm at Prez Byers. And the podcast Twitter is at EgoChatPodcast. The next uh, show is um, tentatively scheduled for June 28th, which is next Tuesday, I believe. Uh, this is actually one of the later shows that we've done uh, in terms of time and the time of the week um, because softball has been wreaking havoc on our schedules. Um, and also the heat has been wreaking havoc on my body because it's been, it was, it felt like 105 yesterday. I think it was the same on Monday. So I'm quite literally sweating buckets uh, most of the time that we're in here, even at 1030 at night. So uh, it's going to be rough this summer. Um, hopefully we can talk about some good Call of Duty. So I'm not uh, wasting away for nothing. But um, yep, next show is probably going to be on June 28th. Uh, just make sure to follow us on Twitter. We'll update you uh, when we think uh, we'll have that show. Um, but that does it for me. Take it away, Bink. Yep. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Obviously, had a little bit of a break there because of the CDL going on a little bit of a break again. But um, we're back now. Should be here, um, assuming three shows for uh, the three weeks qualifiers. Then we'll have um, the major recap and at least champs preview and recap. So we're, we're looking at, you know, should be like six weeks of shows coming up. But I think I did my math right there. Um Regardless, thank you guys, though, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed a little bit of a quicker one and, uh, you know, got some good matches to watch this weekend and some new rosters, new rosters, new players debut and all that jazz. So uh, thank you guys, as always, and remember to send the chill.